going to ask you to do a mental exercise about physical exercise. We're going to imagine this morning that we're all going on a hike. We're going to take a hike that goes from downtown San Diego. Anybody been there? Downtown San Diego to downtown Los Angeles. About 120 some miles. You up for it? It's a gorgeous day. Not too hot, not too cold, nice breeze. We're all walking together. And before we get very far, we see something coming up in the distance. And it's a cross, and someone who has died is hanging there. And on the left side is someone else who's on a cross hanging there. And every so often, all the way from San Diego to downtown Los Angeles, there are 6,000 crosses with people who had been crucified on them. And they are there to remind us that it does not pay to commit treason against the government. They are there to remind us if you are a slave, you cannot run away and escape because if you try, that is where you will end up. Can you imagine 120 miles of crosses, 6,000 in number, and you see the grotesque bodies that are there and the agony on their faces as they died? Pastor Gary, no thanks, I don't want to go on the hike. The reason I brought that to your attention is in 73 B.C., that is what Rome did to a group of slaves who tried to run away. For 124 miles, 6,000 crosses, and everyone who walked along the most busy road in Italy, the Appian Way, on their way to do their daily commerce, everyone who walked along that road saw it. And the message came through loud and clear. Do not commit treason. Do not try to escape if you're a slave. Because if you do, the cross will be your fate. The cross has become the symbol of Christianity. And it is a good symbol. The cross has been worn on lapels. It's been placed on steeples. We have it above our baptistry. But I would like to suggest to you this morning that the cross by itself is not an adequate symbol of Christianity. In the time of Christ, it was, it was the symbol of the worst that man could devise. But what is interesting, what is interesting is how Jesus transformed the cross as a symbol. The cross was used by Romans, as we've already discovered, as a deterrent to those who would rebel or commit treason against Rome. The message of the cross was transformed by Jesus on Calvary to become a solution for the treason that you and I have committed against the God of the universe. The message of the cross was a warning against slaves who would try to escape to become free. The message of the cross as transformed by Jesus when he died on Calvary 
was that the cross became the means of escape for those enslaved by sin. The cross was a symbol of cruelty and pain, but because of the cross of Calvary, the cross became a symbol of grace and healing. The cross was a symbol of man's inhumanity to man, but because of the Christ of Calvary, the cross became a symbol of God's mercy to man. The cross was a symbol of man's shame, but because of the cross of Christ, it became a symbol of the glory of God. The cross was a symbol of hopelessness, but because of Christ's cross, it became a beacon of hope. The cross was a symbol of death, but because of Jesus and his cross, it became a symbol of life. The cross was a symbol of man's wickedness, but because of Jesus Christ's cross, it became a symbol of God's righteousness. And so, I would like to suggest to you this morning that what made it possible for Jesus to transform the cross as a symbol of all that is evil and wicked into a symbol of all that is righteous and good, from being a symbol of, of punishment to be a symbol of deliverance, is what took place on that Sunday morning in a garden. Two things connect, two events and a similar group of people connect the resurrection and the death of Christ. At Christ's death, the middle of the day became darkness. At the resurrection, the angel light appeared. At his death, there was a great earthquake that tore tombs apart. At his resurrection, there was a great earthquake that struck terror into the hearts of the Romans. At Jesus' death, there were, there were soldiers who were there to, to, to make that death happen. At his resurrection, there were soldiers there to guard the tomb. Now think about it for a second. Can you imagine those Roman soldiers? Let me get this straight, sir. We're to go guard a tomb of someone who's dead to make sure he doesn't come out? upon which there is a seal of Rome, were to guard a tomb in which any Jew, and the Roman soldiers who lived there would know this, any Jew who would touch a dead person would now become unclean. Were to guard this tomb, do I have this straight? Yes, you do. And so they're there thinking they've drawn a pretty easy, a pretty easy tour of duty for three or four hours. And while they're there guarding that tomb, suddenly there's a light. And while they're there guarding that tomb, they see a figure roll away the stone and the earthquakes, and they hear a voice say, Jesus, come forth. And they see what was a dead man come out. And they run for their lives because they don't know what else to do. May I suggest you, I personally believe 
that the same voice who said, let there be light, is the same voice that said, Jesus, come out. That the same voice that created this world is the same voice and the same power that resurrected Jesus from the dead that morning. We talk about the resurrection of Jesus, and we talk about the death of Jesus, and we think that the basic message of the gospel is his death. I would submit to you that without the resurrection, his death would have no meaning. Without the resurrection, his death would have no meaning because he would have been just one more criminal who died on a cross. We need the symbol of the cross and the symbol of the open tomb if we're going to understand what God has done for us. When we think about the resurrection of Jesus, we know that, that he died that he might overcome sin and become victorious. We know that he died so that one day those who die awaiting the, the second coming of Jesus might be resurrected too. But I would like to suggest to you that that's not the only part of the resurrection we need to understand this morning. The Apostle Paul understood the importance of the resurrection. When he was standing before Felix defending his faith, he said, Felix, I'm not here because I believe in Jesus who died. I'm here because I believe in Jesus who rose and is alive. In, in, in the early part of, of the story of the book of Acts, the disciples weren't thrown in prison because they believed Jesus had died. That was the intent of the, of the religious leaders. They wanted Jesus to die. They knew Jesus had died. They were thrown in prison because they believed in the resurrection. Because the resurrection said Jesus was still alive. And the resurrection said because he was alive, his plan of salvation, his preaching of the gospel of the kingdom, his preaching that, that God's, any people anywhere could be saved, that was going to be proclaimed, and they didn't want that. And so, this morning as we think about what took place over 2,000 years ago, we celebrate not just the fact that Jesus died for us, but we celebrate the fact that he was resurrected. I would like to remind you of what Paul said in Romans chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. I'm just going to read it. There are several texts. You can listen. I, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, <clears throat> this gospel concerning his son who was descended from David and was declared to be the son of God. Now notice what it was that declared him to be the son of God. Declared to be the son of God in power, according to the spirit of holiness, in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ. I, I want you to notice that what declared Jesus to be the Son of God and what, that which set, made the gospel possible was that Jesus was raised from the dead by the power of the Spirit. That word power is interesting. It's the word dunamis in Greek. It's the word that we get our word dynamo from. What we get our word dynamic from. Now a dynamo is something that creates energy that is transferred to something else. When it says that, that Jesus was declared to be the Son of God in power 
by his resurrection from the dead, implied in that is that that same power is to be given to those who accept the gospel. That same power is given those who accept the gospel. And Paul recognized again that, that apart from that, if we don't recognize that, if we don't understand that Jesus' resurrection was in fact a, a truth, he said in 1 Corinthians 15, 13, if there was no resurrection of the dead, then our faith and our preaching is in vain. Because we're asking people to, to be changed and to have their lives transformed and that they would have to change themselves and they could never change themselves in order to be saved. Nor could they be transformed that they might reflect the character of God as they live their lives. The Apostle Paul in, in the book of Romans begins by, in chapter 1, talking about the fact that all are, are, uh, that all are sinners. We, we've done terrible things. The first three chapters, he proves that all Jew and Gentile alike are sinners. Then in chapter 4, he begins to show that we're to be righteous by faith. Chapter 5, he goes on to prove that even more. But what's really interesting to me is what Paul says about Abraham in chapter 4, towards the end. In chapter 4, verse 19, he said that Abraham did not weaken in his faith when he considered his own body, which was good as dead, since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. He's talking about the promise that Abraham believed in, that, that God would give him a son. And that word for weaken in faith is a pun. It literally means to be impotent. Abraham was not impotent in faith when he looked at his own impotent body. Do you see the pun? Paul wants us to be sure we get, the, we get the message. We are impotent to save ourselves. Right? He then goes on and talks about how he trusted God and that was counted as righteousness. And then in chapter 5, verse 6, it says, While we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Guess which word that is? It's the word he used previously with Abraham. While we were still impotent at the right time, Christ died for us. Paul doesn't stop there. Because while Paul says we were impotent to save ourselves, he does not say that we remain impotent. He says in chapter 6 and 7, and eight, that we receive the power of God in our lives. In fact, he knew that people would accuse him of saying that, that we didn't have to worry about what we did any longer because we had grace. And so in chapter 6, the, the scripture that was read this morning, he says, what should we say then? Should we, should we just keep on sinning and enjoy our, our life of sin so that we can receive more wonderful grace from God? And then he said, God forbid, may it never happen. Why? How do I know that to be true, Paul said? Listen, he said, do you remember when you were baptized? You were buried in baptism, buried in sin. But you were raised to a what? A what? A new life. You were dead, but you were raised to a new life. Why? Because God raised you to that new life. You see, I, I think when we think about the resurrection of Jesus, 
We have no trouble skipping down to the end of time and saying that same power of resurrection will resurrect our loved ones when Jesus comes back. And praise God, that's true. I'm looking forward to that, aren't you? We're having a memorial service this afternoon for Frederick Bacon Show. Are we not looking forward to the resurrection to be able to see him again? Here's my point this morning, and please don't miss it. My point this morning is this. What Scripture tells us is that the same power that raised Jesus from the grave is the same power that transforms our lives and changes us and gives us power to overcome sin and temptation. Temptation and sin. Same power. If I were to stand up here this morning and I had some kind of a, I sh should have thought of this, but I didn't, but if I had some kind of electrical, maybe it's a radio, electrical radio, and I'm standing here and in this little socket is, a, is an electrical plug, and I stand here and my plug for my radio is dangling, and I say, I can't turn my radio on, my radio must not work. How long will it take you to tell me, plug it in, dummy? Plug it in. You need to be connected to the source of power. The problem's not with the radio, the problem's with your connection. So many of us as Christians, when it comes to living the Christian life, we wring our hands and say, well, you know, it's my, I'm, I'm Irish, so I have a, a temper. I came from a bad family background, so I don't know how to be loving. And we come up with all kinds of excuses in which we make excuses for ourselves or, or we blame our, our problems and our issues on someone else. Let's admit it, we do that too often and too easily. And instead of saying, wait a minute, when Jesus died and rose from the grave, that was a promise of power to be available to you and to me so that we could be freed from the sin that so easily besets us. That was a promise of God when he rose from the dead that he would bring back with him from the dead all who believe in Jesus Christ. And that is not just referring to the resurrection at the end of time. That's referring to bringing us back from a life of sin to a life living for him. I want to remind you of what the Apostle Paul said. What the Apostle Paul said in 1 Timothy. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, 2 Thessalonians. I'll get it right, yeah, it's 1 Thessalonians 4. We do not want you to be ignorant, uninformed about those who asleep, that you may not grieve as others who do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. In other words, what the Apostle Paul is saying is at the end of time, we believe that since Jesus died, God is able, going to be able to resurrect those who've fallen asleep. When you read what the Apostle Paul said in Philippians, he said, I want to know Jesus Christ and the power of his resurrection in my own life that I might be able to win the, the, the battle. I want you to notice the same 
principle that Paul applies to the end of time also applies to us as we live our lives day by day. The same Jesus, do not want you to be informed, uninformed, the same Jesus who died and was raised to life is able to bring us back from our lives of sin and selfishness. The same Jesus who died and rose again is able to call to us and say, as they did to Lazarus, come out of the tomb. You remember what happened to Lazarus? Lazarus is in the tomb four days. And God, and, and Jesus comes and, and Jesus says, Lazarus, come out. And he comes out, but he comes out and he's still wrapped in the grave clothes. Now, how much can you live life wrapped in grave clothes? Can you imagine Lazarus walking around every day after that in grave clothes? What kind of a life would that be? I love that aspect of the story because Jesus didn't leave him there. Jesus told those around there, take the grave clothes off because he wanted him to enjoy life, to live it as God intended him to live. What part, one part of the power of the resurrection is that God calls us to be sources of encouragement and support to one another as we live our lives struggling against sin. God calls us to pray for one another, to encourage one another, to help each, each other. And yet, so often, we're so concerned of what others might think, we, we, we don't even want to admit that we might be struggling with some kind of sin or temptation or whatever. This morning, I want you to think about and ask yourself the question, am I living with an awareness of the availability of the power of the resurrection for my life? Or am I just kind of floating along, hoping someday everything will fall in place? Or am I just kind of living my life thinking that, well, I'm, I'm better than they are, so I must be okay? I think it's time that we believed in the resurrection for what it is. Not just something that took place so that Jesus could live again, but something that took place so that we can live now as he's asked us to live. Not just something so that one day when he comes back, we can be resurrected to a new life and live forever, but something so that we can have life and have it more abundantly now. I wish we could all have been there with those Roman soldiers when Jesus came out of the grave. If we could have been there, I think we would have seen God's power in a way we've never seen in our lives, wouldn't we? And God's word says, not me, God's word says that we can know him in the power of his resurrection so that we might experience eternal life forever. This morning, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to take some time talking to God sometime this weekend and talking to God about to what extent have you experienced the power of His resurrection in your life, your life.
in what ways have you refused to experience that power in your life? And maybe talk to him about what would it take to experience that power? More time with him? Bible study prayer? More time thinking about who he is and what he's done? Perhaps taking time to think about the things in your life that deny his power, that you need to yield to his power. The Christian symbol of the cross is a wonderful symbol. But the symbol of the open tomb, the symbol of the open tomb should be the symbol that tells us that the hope we have is not a hope that is in vain. It's a hope that we can experience the power that raised Jesus from the dead so that we might reflect his character and one day we might live with him forever. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the power of the cross. When we think about the fact that our name was written in the wounds of Jesus' hands, we are brought to tears. When we think about the fact that our lives were recreated when he came forth from the tomb, we are in awe. May we experience the power of the resurrection as we live day by day. In Jesus' name, amen.